happy wednesday everyone it's officially wind down wednesday where we interview some of your fave influencers artists celebrities and so on hey dawn my special guest is already in the building the magnificent the beautiful the also very creative Donna Wishad is here with us today. And since my guest is already here, we're going to go right into it. I am interviewing the amazing Donna Wishad today. She's going to come in and talk life, music, business, art, craft, culture, and everything with us um, for the next hour. Before I get her in here, let me give you guys a little background of um, Don. So Don has been one of music's most distinctive, distinctive voices and songwriters since 2004. As a member of Danity Kane and the Dirt, Diddy Dirty Money, releasing the cult R&B classic Last Train Paris. However, it's really her solo artist that has really soared. <laughs> so across three solo albums, Don has honed a style of music that she describes as genderless, colorless, and genreless. Her music videos are second to none with outfits and choreography reflecting the marriage between music and the body that is so vital to her music. So Don is here. Let's get her in. While you guys are checking in, what is one some of your favorite Don songs? We're playing Slim Thick, which is one of my newest faves. Hello, hello. Hey. hey. What's up, boo? You hear that slim stick in the background? I see that as you says me from Haiti. Hey. Safa say. Hey, I miss your face. I know I miss you so much. I'm like, I'm so happy. Oh, thank you, love. You know you are as well. I was like, when you said yes, I'm like, yes. 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 So hey thankful. <laughs> everyone say hello, my. Let me let everyone get their hellos in there. Still, 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 still. <laughs> <laughs> Don, Don, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited to talk to you yeah. about career, life, music, yes. culture. Yes. <laughs> So what's what you been up to during the quarantine? You look good, sis. You look Thank good. You. Thank you. I, um, I'm actually in New Orleans because my mom had some surgery and I mm. wound up staying here. So I've been here for like four months. Um, mm. And in the process of that, I've been building my business, Papa Tez, which is um, it's the first ever eco-friendly sensory experience in New Orleans. So we nice. do vegan. We do uh, vegan sandwiches. We do organic snowballs. We do uh, sustainable art. And it's all like we've been trying to like maneuver during the pandemic. So we've become wow. a delivery and we've been like doing things. And so it's been really cool. I've been trying to figure it out while I'm in New Orleans uh, and also finishing the album. Yeah. So literally it kind of slowed you down, but it also gave you an opportunity to work yeah. on some of the other stuff that you, that you that I, I guess you needed time to work on. Exactly. It, I'm trying to make it work. I, ne you know, I'm a hustler. I'm gonna never stay still. All so. day. So, how's your mom doing? You said your mom has surgery. How's she? She's good. She's four months out of, uh, well, three months out of uh, knee replacement. She so she's in re rehab, and I kind of been her, me and my dad have been kind of being her coach. Um, okay. it's been difficult for her because my mom had both her legs broken as a child. She's bow legged like severely, and was a dancer and everything. And uh, the doctor was like, I don't even know how you're walking, but my mom is just a beast like that. Wow. Um, so she just needed to have. So she's never had her legs this straight ever. 
So this wow. is the first time she's like having actual like flexibility to like a 90 degree angle. So it's been really interesting to watch her like maneuver as a dancer with that kind of process. Oh, nice. So happy to hear she's doing good yeah. and her baby is home to help take care yeah, of her. Well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we get into everything, we wanted to start off, you know, our interview pretty much talking about young Dawn. You grew up in New Orleans. Grew you grew up in, in a home of music and dance, like you just said with your mom. So what was it like growing up young Dawn in New Orleans? I was a weird kid super different and in New Orleans everything is jazz and uh, R&B and soul and I was this rock alternative kid that you know had green and purple hair uh, that was listening to like rock music but I also had parents who were very much New Orleans parents they were seated in the culture whether it was the dance or the music so I had outlets but my both my parents were educators. So they were like, you could do this stuff, but you can't make money in this stuff. So if you're going to do this art stuff, make sure you have an education. So I was more of a nerd, you know, more of that kind of kid. Uh, and it, it worked for me. It worked for me growing up, but it didn't give me an opportunity to have a lot of places to live mm. uh, because New Orleans didn't really funnel the awkward kid, right? Yeah. You could be talented. The artistic kid works, that all works. But if you're like, listening to alternative rock music if you're loving anime at that time being black and being the awkward girl wasn't necessarily celebrated like it is now right so my my outlets became music and dance because those were the things that i felt like i could truly be myself but like you know have an outlet to be able to do the things that i wanted to do so growing up me was kind of like a very awkward very lonely journey because i just kind of had my own idea of what i wanted to be and it did not fit in with any of the things that kind of operated in New Orleans. No, I feel like time. everywhere, you know, at that yeah. time, because like not listening, to being a black girl, you know, Caribbean girl, Asian girl, right. and you're right. not listening to the same thing and the same music and R&B is not like, the, you know, on replay. Your your yeah. yeah, that, you know, group didn't really fit in kind of anywhere. Cool so, now, But it wasn't cool then. Yeah. It, it wasn't cool then, right. So I didn't really know where I fit. So I was just trying to figure out what that lane was for me. Um, wow. And I was lucky enough to figure it out through music and through art. And that was kind of what the outlet was. But it wasn't my, I never thought it could be my job. Wow. I thought it was, you know, I, I was going to you know, school for marine biology. I was, I was not, music and art was like something of a, a outlet that I never thought could be my actual job. Wow. Because that's what I was going to ask you. Now, at what point then? Did it become like, okay, music is what I'm going to do and I can actually make it doing this? Was it while you were still in school or when your career took off? So I had, you know, I was doing, I was gigging because my dad had connects because my dad was really popular here. He was in a 70s band and they were like, really, like, they still play my dad on the radio out here. Mm -hmm. So he, I had outlets, but again, you know, it would be like R&B. Like I would be doing a show and it'd be Fifth Wall Weeby, got rested. So it'd be Weeby. It'd be, uh, you know, uh, all these bounce artists. And then it would just be me doing a pop record. And it would just not make sense with any of the aesthetics that was gone. So I was doing it. But then I got an opportunity to open for Anthony Hamilton for a Valentine's Day show. I was 18 wow. years old. And I brought my dancers, which my dancers was my mom's dancers in the dancer school. So these were all the girls that I knew. So we were gave a full-on show and it was nothing but chicks in the 
in the crowd and I was like, ooh, this could either be really good or really, really bad. Because, you know, women don't really, if you ain't rocking, women we, ain't rocking. Right. Women will be like, nah, I'm, I'm good on you. I just bring Anthony Hamilton out and shut you, you know. And we had a standing ovation. And that was like the first time I was like, well, maybe I could do this music thing. But it wasn't until I, I wanted to sing the national anthem and it was so political and everybody was like, you got to know somebody. And we had the saints, we had the hornets. So, you know, me, I'm a, like, again, my thought process was like, well, if they're not going to hire me, I'm going to try out for the dance team and then get on a dance team. And then I could sing whenever I want to. So I danced and auditioned for the NBA New Orleans Hornets at the time and made it. And then I got to sing the national, the national anthem whenever I wanted. Um, and so I would sing a lot when I danced. I was the co-captain of the hunt on, on the, in the NBA cheerleaders, and I loved it. I loved it. It was a group of girls that we could date. Like we were dope, and um, they were like, "Yo, you since you sing, you should try out for this show that's really popular right now called Making the Band." And I was like, "Girl, nobody from New Orleans ain't never been on TV because at that time, <laughs> New Orleans wasn't popular. It wasn't yeah. like we were big it with Lil Wayne." And it yeah, was I was going to say, yeah, rap was big. Yes. It was, but there was, like, the closest we had to, like, a pop girl that showed off New Orleans was Kentwood, Louisiana, and that was Britney Spears. We didn't have, like, a cool representation of, like, a female outside of, you know, like, R&B and soul. We didn't have yeah. that. So, like, I was like, nobody's going to accept me on no damn TV for no... And sure enough, I had never seen the show, but the girls were... You know, they, my, our, our squad was predominantly white. And at that time, I think Puff wanted a, a girl group. And the girl groups before we did it, when Aubrey and them first got on the show, it was like number white girls and maybe a few Latina girls. It wasn't like, it wasn't colorful. Yeah. And the second season, I think he wanted that color. So I tried yeah. out on a whim. And then that moment, the moment that out of 10,000 girls, 21 girls, I was a part of that. That's when I was like, okay, well, maybe. Because I was a senior in college. Yeah. I was... I was like 19. I was going through school really fast, super nerd. And I was like, you know, I'll try it. So my senior year of college, I made making the band. And that was when I knew maybe I could make this a career. And you blew up. The show blew up. Like, the show, went, up. Crazy. The show yeah. went absolutely crazy. That crazy. was reality TV before. The true reality TV. The true yeah. reality TV. No, like no script. No. In a white, in a white maze. Right. Yeah. So what was that like for you with the background that you came from? And now you're in this space with all of these other people that I guess kind of fit in these spaces that was more common that we were used to seeing. And now you're this awkward kid, but you, then you're in these spaces. What was that like for you, that transition? Uh, I don't, to be honest with you, like, that was, hmm. You have to look at it from a spec, like, I came from a city that, our city is a, we're a beautiful city, but we have never had a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked at it like every day was my shot. So a lot of times I was kind of like, I knew what I wanted. And I knew at the time that I, I had never seen anybody from New Orleans get this opportunity. So the pressure yeah. for me was make my city look good, make my family look good. You know, you might not get this shot. So every day was like, get at it, get at yeah. it. It was like very much, I didn't have the ability to have like a cool person. My personality was like, let's get it. Let's, yeah. let's. So that, that was, it felt very much like military. Like I, you, I was watching what everything was strategic and seeing how my place and what my place was in it and making sure everything I did was smart, strategic, and like, 
you know what I mean? Like that I wasn't getting out of that house because, yeah. I knew, yeah, I knew what it was. I had no idea about the reality TV shit. So my hair was busted. Face was busted. Like, I didn't know the other side. You came to work. I came to work. Nappy yeah. hair, different hair color and all. It was like, New Orleans stand up. Yeah. I'm going to leave this place. And I'm going to make sure, like, when I leave that I, you know, I represent it right. Yeah. And every day I would, you would think you'd get cut and then you'd be like, okay, I got another day. But we yeah. didn't get to sleep. We didn't get to like it was. That was when reality TV Puff used us like 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 guinea pigs, and it was like he never cared if we slept, ate. It was it was it the was numbers game. The it was yep. about the show, yeah. Yep. And so and we were we were a, a we were a part of something else. So like yeah. you know, caring about our feelings, caring if we cute, that shit wasn't a part of it. Yeah. And um, it was very different than it is now. I think if a lot of the shit went down now, it would be a different game because a lot of the things that were said to us, a lot of the things that it wouldn't flew with social yeah. media present right now. Yeah. yeah. I saw a yeah. clip the other day that went viral of um, her American Next Top Model and Tyra made a statement, you know, to one of the girls yeah, about her exactly. gap, right? Yeah, and it was crazy but... because I remember that episode and I don't remember like at that time being something that was like so cared about. And then the clip resurfaced. And everybody's like, Tyra, you suck. How dare you tell her but it was to a fix her time. gap, you it know? Was a different time. But you know what's real? Most artists in that time, like beyond us, like past us, like when we talk about Whitney and mm -hmm. those artists, they were told wild stuff too. Like, you know, we don't know. Like, it just was that we didn't have social media to show a light on it. A lot of that shit was out of pocket then. Yeah. For us, we didn't think it was out of pocket. We knew shit wasn't right. We knew, like, we were being told, like, lose weight, gain weight. Uh, you fix your head. You shouldn't step out if your nails ain't like just shit that like. But for us, it was opportunity, and so we didn't look at. We knew shit was out of pocket, but yeah. we also was hungry. Like yeah. for me, I had a choice. It was, you know, especially after Katrina when he brought us back, especially after we was homeless. I didn't have the ability to be like, you know what, that's not right what you said. So I'm gonna leave this deal alone and then go. It was like either you 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 feed your family or you deal with the craziness. And that was kind of like the dynamic and we had to do it in public. Yeah. And that was kind of wild for us because we didn't want motherfuckers to know we were fighting. We didn't want people to know our, we didn't want to have women look like bad on television. Mm -hmm. So we were succumbing to a lot of stuff to try to make sure we looked a certain way because we had no control over how we looked. Yeah. Like it was, a, it was a wild experience because I think now that wouldn't have flew. Yeah, no, not at all. Especially what you said with social media. Yeah, One, a secret like, no, clip no. or something would have leaked somewhere and it would have been over for all of it. Every week. Because he was that because he just learned from a different he learned from a different place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and at the time we had to not only worry about like a lot of us was like, nah, fuck that to certain things, but we also had to worry about there were cameras when we went to the bathroom. There were cameras, like there was always cameras Gosh, watching us. So everything, I remember everything, everything we said went back. Yeah. Everything we said went back. So everything, like everything had to be, like we were, it was not like it is now. Everything yeah. that we said would either catch up to us or would be a strategy to knock us down or pick yeah. us up. Yeah. So having a voice was definitely not a thing back then, but you were the able to. That was hard. But one thing for you, you like you said, you came to work and you worked, and yeah. you took the opportunity and you flipped it into other opportunities and were in different groups and everything with Diddy and were able to travel the world and do so much and continuing yeah. to work. So yeah. what was that like to have gone through all of that 
and yeah. succumb to all of these things and not have a voice and not have much creative control and yeah. everything. And then you got to wake up and everything comes to a halt. It's over. The groups are over. Like you're not in yeah. a group. Like, what was that like for you? I had practice because he did it one time before. <laughs> he did it with DK. And so when I when he went back with Dirty Money, I wasn't prepared, but I had experienced what that halt felt like. Yeah. But um, after that, I just didn't want to go back to that. You know, I didn't want to keep putting my career and my life in somebody else's hands that didn't love it the way I did. Um, and again, I'm hella thankful for the opportunity, but I also feel like it's imperative that you take the reins on your life and never have anyone stop the shit that's your own dreams. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was working so ridiculously hard and being super loyal. Um, and it wasn't coming, like my career was stopping and not on my behalf, like yeah. not on my fault. And I didn't like that feeling. So after that, I said, the next time I fuck up or the next time something happens, it's going to be on me not on anybody else. So I, 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 I decided that if, if no one wanted to believe in me the way I believed in myself, that I would go hard if I got the opportunity. And so after that, when it went to a halt, I decided um, that no one would halt it mm. again but me. Yeah, uh, I never stopped after that. So once that finished, I took my solo career and I decided to design it the way I wanted to. And I never really gave a shit if people got it. I never really cared if uh it wasn't the conventional way i did yeah. the conventional way i yeah. did it twice i trusted the system twice and still it didn't work so people kept saying why don't you do r&b or why don't you i did those things and they still didn't come out the way that i would have wished them to i would have still been in those two things had it not stopped so now is my opportunity to be who the fuck i was from the very beginning and see if that works and yeah. um it did for me it did for me, and it helped open my eyes to a lot of things. My culture, my heritage, me me finding out about my Haitian culture, like really embracing who I was um, on a on a spiritual level, uh, and use my art to push the the um, the diaspora forward, to push yeah. the black culture forward. Like everything that I do in my music, may, though it may not be R and B in the conventional way the message has been for the power of the black person and especially the black female. And for those who have followed it um, and got past the idea that sonically it isn't maybe what you like, they will see that I've been con like consciously pulling the power of the black woman and the black, the black queer and the LGBTQIA plus pushing that agenda forward constantly. And that's been something that, that I've always wanted to do. And now I have the ability to do. No, you've always been like really, like your career's always been this roller coaster, high highs, and then when it's low, it's low, low, and then you Hello. see it just don't just do this. <laughs> That's but, me. Right, but we don't see you where you see the headlines, you see the news, you see the comments, you see the rumors, you see the different things. But yeah. when we see you, yeah, you always look like I'm, I'm, I got it, I'm in control, I'm aware, I know. But yeah. where do you get this confidence from? Uh. I got great a great foundation. My family's really great. I really do. But to be perfectly honest with you, I've got it from failure. Mm -hmm. I've learned to be okay with fucking falling apart. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we, you guys saw us, we didn't, like, you saw us horrible. Like, you saw yeah. me at my worst. You saw us lose our jobs on national television. You saw me go through Katrina and be homeless. You guys kind of saw our life. So I, I've never been afraid to be completely uh, open about trying shit. 
I don't like I'm not the artist that's like I'm gonna be perfect for you and look sexy and perfect and be perfect that ain't who yeah. I am I'm the artist that's gonna try shit and sometimes it's gonna hit sometimes it's not but I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be fearless with it because to me the only way you can grow with your artists or grow with your fan base or grow with your movement is if you try new shit who wants an artist that keep playing the same fucking music yeah. every day yeah. like I don't want an album that's the same album every time the greats that I love they never did that shit and so for me, I get that people want you to keep, like, I remember somebody said to me, Dawn, like, people would like you if you kept the same hair color, hair, just the same hairstyle. And if you think about it, on the come up of Beyonce and the come up of that time, uh, Kelly Rowland, right? When yeah. Kelly had Kelly with the, rocking that short hair. Yes. The moment she got her long hair, it was like, nah, bitch, put that short hair back in. Like, yeah. as if a chocolate girl can't live her own life and go some different places. I always thought that was interesting. And, um, but then you had an artist like Rihanna, who could have 800 different, every every album she had a different hairstyle and we were cool with that. We accepted that. And I thought it was interesting that the fairer, the, the fairer black girl could be accepted, but a darker girl was told, nah, keep that shit. Yeah. Ready. Another applaud to Rihanna is that Rihanna also said, fuck y'all, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do me. Yeah. And I loved her for that. And I'm just saying, yeah. I always felt like that was going to be my journey. So I just never believed in, okay, since my hair is this one color, I'm going to keep this aesthetic and hope you guys like it and keep the branding. And that's yeah. what they kept telling me. Keep branding yourself one way. Somebody yeah. said, I would like Gone, but she just like all over the place. But nobody says Rihanna's all over the place. Rihanna has a different sound every album and we fuck with it every time. I think we choose, we pick and choose who we decide to let be free. And, yeah. who we and I never, um, I never cared. So for me, the failure was okay gave me the confidence i never cared if people thought that that shit was gonna be dope i wanted to make art that that feet fed me and for those who re who related to it that was motherfuckers yeah. that i was talking to at the yeah. time and to me that's everything in art you don't look at a painting and everybody love the same painting some people could think that you know what what um what uh Oh God! Uh, that's what Basquiat does is messy. Yeah. They don't consider that art, and other people can look at it and say that's but incredible. It's, it's that's not right. for you. It's then it's not for you, right? right. So it, it just depends. Like I, I just feel like some people fucked with Grace Jones and he fucked with her visually, but they never really got into her music. They didn't think that she made great pop records. Some people will say mm -hmm. she's an icon visually, but she's not an icon sonically. Mm -hmm. Other people will say differently. Um, you know, you choose your you choose your poison and you go with it. I'm an acquired taste and I'm okay with that. I'm an acquired taste and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I love it. That's bars. This yeah. is bars. Yeah, no, I just I just, that's just real. Yeah, that's just real. Yeah. 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 I love it. You spend the last six years, independent artist. So you release a trilogy of albums. We have Golden Heart, Black Heart, Redemption Heart, but New Breed, which is one of my faves. Yeah. It's loud, yeah, it's yeah. raw, it's versatile, and it speaks to like all of these different topics, mm -hmm. right? Even with everything that you said, yeah. your willingness to come out and be creative, have your own voice. Were you worried that was going to be too much and too hard for people? I worried it'd be too ahead. And here's why. Because mm. I, had, I was in a group because Dirty Money was ahead. I, the Last Train to Paris is to me one of the best albums I've ever been a part of and though I'm not a f fan of a lot of the shit that I've gone through I would never negate the, the dope it, I was proud to be yeah. a part of it um, and uh, 
I, I knew that once I experienced artists like Kalina and artists like Puff and that aesthetic, being with those mm -hmm. types of people, you know, vocal producing with Jones and doing that, I wasn't going to be able to turn back. I knew that. And so after that, I was worried that I was so um, fed in that space that I knew whatever my solo stuff was going to be. I was worried. I was already, we were already 20 years up. I was worried my solo shit was going to be extra 30 years. And the first, wow. you know, Golden Heart was, it was, it was severely yep. ahead because we were doing sonically something that R&B really wasn't touching. Uh, and uh, I knew that that would be uncomfortable. By the time I did Black Heart, I was like, I'm good. I'm just going to go because I knew I was I was afraid at Golden Heart that I'd be too ahead. And then after that, I said, I'm just going to fucking live in 3020 and be OK with that. Um, <laughs> and as I realized a lot of greats have done that. Like we, to me, we have underestimated Khalees. We've yeah. underestimated Santiago. We've underestimated beautiful black women who have created, like Khalees is billions and billions yeah. of time, light years ahead. And we still haven't really respected what she did as a black artist in pop culture. Um, so I, I was worried that it would be too ahead. And then after a while I said, well, fuck it, we just gonna live in this space. And like, I, you know, we just did that. And so that was my worry at first. And then after a while, I just didn't want to conform. I didn't want to have to stifle it when yeah. it was coming out of me in a way that I felt was honest. Um, yeah. So I, I did have to sacrifice that I wasn't mainstream and I did have to sacrifice going from massive stadiums like Dirty, Dirty Money, we were, we were performing on David Letterman and American Music Awards and Coming Home was one of the biggest records with Skylar Gray and going from that and getting budgets that were you know, $600,000 a video to having to create a video for $5,000 with VR with nothing. Um, and I, that was hard for me because I, I had the expectation of what I was in and I had to create the same thing in an indie space. And at the time, indie wasn't cool. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it is now. And I was trying to do that with no budget and no support system because all those people that were around me during Dirty Money and Daddy Kane were not around me for my solo yeah. time. They all left. They all right. left. Did they even understand you and where you were going? I, I don't, to be, I'm going to be real with you. It didn't matter. I wasn't around Puff. And, and to me, people are always surround themselves about, around people that can give them opportunity. Mm -hmm. I became, I didn't have leverage anymore. Right. And I don't take that as an offense. That's just the game. If you don't have nothing to offer people, they're not fucking with you. So to be honest with you, when Puff's name got off me, everybody else got off me too. Um, and that was a hard, that was a hard one for me because all the people around me was telling me we were dope. You're yeah. dope. You're the dopest thing. This is ill. We were writing all these records for Dirty Money. And in the moment that those people weren't around anymore, those phone calls were not there. Um, and that was a bit hard for me because I, I had spent 10 years with all this greatness. And then I was like, uh, and then I realized, well, fuck it. If they don't believe in me, I'm going to believe in me. And so every every album, I believed in me a little more. Yeah. You know, and then I got really I got really used to blown on that journey. And then I got really comfortable with figuring it out. And after a while, I didn't feel alone. I just felt like a bitch had the right, he had her circle. So I didn't yeah. feel alone. I felt like I was shaping the people that were going to be true to me. And it reminded me of the cult followings I used to love with the rock bands that I loved growing up. A lot of the bands I loved growing up, they weren't huge. They had a cult, but that cult was faithful. And yeah. I'm starting to become the artist that I would have loved when I was a kid. Wow. I love that. I read somewhere that by the end of New Breed, someone stated an article, by the end of, new, of the New Breed album, 
it became clear that the new breed is about a woman, is about the woman New Orleans helped her become. So who is that woman yeah. now? Yeah. I'm a woman um, does everything with purpose. And I'm, I'm unafraid to do that. And, I, and, and what I mean by that is uh, I don't create the art. I am, I am living it. And I think that's something that I was imperative for me. Um, New Orleans has shaped multiple artists. I'm so proud of the city that I'm from, but we are also a people that don't know where we come from. We are so mixed and so jumbled, jumbled with all of these, you know, the slavery and the white men who came and raped our black women and the Native Americans who were already here, who were who who taught the black the black slaves the feather. And because they didn't speak the same language, they taught each other the, the, the feather to sew, to dance. And that culture of the Mardi Gras Indian became the culture of my city. And what you found was people who were ostracized, like Haitians who came, like, again, my people come from Jacques Mel. And you could see that all those pots, those people came, came together and created this legacy of people that may not have had a lot, but they had the ability to uh, survive and survive in a way with pride. Um, and New Orleans has made me this woman that can go through everything but survive and dance through it all, right? This kind of, wow. and so it's a confidence. There's a cockiness to New Orleans, right? There's a cockiness that in the midst of our poor, we are still the motherfuckers, right? And I <laughs> love that, right? Because we don't leave with a wealth of art. And Ooh. that has become our empire. That's what New Breed was, was a level of saying, not only am I uh, from New Orleans, but I'm a woman from New Orleans. I'm a black woman from New Orleans. And so that states that women can be kings because to me, when I see a black woman and what she exudes, I don't just see some partner of another, you know, like a kingdom where she is a partner of something. I see her leading it. I see her being it. And that is what I've known Black women to be in New Orleans. That is what I've known um, the queen of New Orleans, the queen of those Mardi Gras Indians, what I've seen them be. Um, and it's what I aim to be as an artist is someone that has led a movement where she wears her castle as a crown. I want to wear New Orleans as a crown. That is something that matters to me. And I didn't get it. I wasn't able to do it because I lost everything in the prime of my career. And I always thought it would have been beautiful in the prime of my career that I would have been living in my city, been able to do what Chance did for Chicago, you know, what Jill, mm -hmm. what Jill Scott did for Philly. Like, I wanted yeah. to be able to man hold like that, and I didn't get to do it because we were homeless. So now is my opportunity to step up and say, New Orleans is progressive. We can be this futuristic sound. We aren't just jazz we aren't just but i can sit with the electronic kids i can sit with the pop culture kids and create something that is in 3020 and be a black woman to do it and it not be this odd idea and so you have king creole yeah. <laughs> which i love <laughs> in yeah. your bio yeah. but use creole c-r-e-o-l-e but you have another element right, of creole, creole in your life right which right. is the haiti haitian creole right so right. A, a year and a half ago, well, one of the things that you've always done, always, and even now, like you said, it's so important to you to include New Orleans, you know, and your, your music and what you re what you represent for New Orleans. But a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. you went with us to Haiti, and that was such a 
big thing for you. Like you, you were excited about that. You were on tour at the time. We weren't sure yeah. if you yeah. can even make it. They were some sure. scheduling was stuff. Crazy. I had been to Haiti prior. I had yeah. went with Haiti Partners, which was a chair. I went seven seven months after the earthquake. I went to Haiti, um, and I fell in love. Fell in love with it. Um, I had done a, I had done a charity um, a charity documentary about the parallels between Katrina and what the earthquake was. Um, but I felt like I hadn't seen it the way I wanted to see it when I saw it, how you were doing it. And when I tell yeah. you last year, that was to have all those women and to do oh my God. what you are doing for Haiti Wanda is amazing. Like what are you doing for those girls are amazing. And it was an honor to bring tech to that school for those girls to see how beautiful they look. And they looked like me. They looked like me. And that's something that again, if you know my journey, I'm the first to really dig into my Haitian culture. My father, my great great grandfather was murdered because in the time of slavery, he spoke French and he was a magician. And because he spoke French and English, they killed him because he was too educated. He spoke different languages and they murdered him. So my, my, my great great grandfather's name was Francois. He named his ch child Francisco out of fear. And then wow. his, he named his son Frank. So they took away that culture each time. And so it wasn't until my brother, he just had a son, and his son is named Francois. He and I are the first to really go back and really dig into what was not, was taken. We didn't learn French. We didn't learn Creole. Yeah. We didn't know anything about anything beyond we knew our heritage was from Haiti. Yeah. So then I did some digging and found out Jacques Mel is where my ancestors came from. And I took it upon myself in the last three years to go to Haiti myself and to really connect and learn something that was not exposed to me. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm so grateful to you because that was such a beautiful experience. And it has been my goal to continuously do things like this to get to learn my culture because I am the first out of my entire family to really try to do it. Wow. And that's that so many stories for Black people. Yeah, and it's crazy because I remember I didn't know that about you at the time. I remember when I yeah. placed the call and that yes yeah. was so quick. I, like, I hadn't yes, even explained so it and what you you oh. like, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I remember at the time you were on tour. You literally got off the stage and flew straight. You came to Fort Lauderdale, hadn't slept. Then we landed in Haiti. I remember we took like a like a barely shower. We ate a little bit and then we went to the school. And it's great. <laughs> we're straight to the school with the kids and everyone was so tired, but they, no one cared. Like we didn't no, care that we were tired. The kids was like so amazing and the welcoming. And I remember just watching you, you know, and the other seven women that was there with me and just watching what it meant for you guys to like be there. And for me, that's what Haiti's been for me. That's yeah. what the experience of being like Leon Seat was started because yeah. similar story to yours. And once I reconnected, I was like, no one's ever taking this away from me again. And I remember standing there watching you guys and the rest of the weekend, watching you connect and learning their history and being so indulged into the culture. It was like we were there and we weren't leaving. It didn't feel like we were leaving because you guys were so into everything that was happening. And we went, I think one of the most important memories for me is we always talk about how Haiti's history and culture is so important to black history. Man. So important. <laughs> and the it's fight right. the Haitians, right? The, the, how they, they were uh, wealthy. They were wealthy and they were taken. Yeah. The story, the story, like it explains so much of our culture, of the pride. And it, when I tell you, it did not shock me that there were so many Haitians that came from Haiti to New Orleans and the connection. When I started to do the research, I realized 
it makes so much sense because like that cockiness that I speak of in New Orleans, you yep. when I tell you seven months after that earthquake on on the Sunday, I had not, they had nothing. It was gravel and they made sure that they dressed up to go to church and they went in yeah. their finest and they walked in the dark and it was pride. It was pride mm -hmm. because with nothing, I'm still going to go see my God. I'm still going to go see my journey. I felt that. I felt yeah. that and understood that. And I thought it was, I was honored to see it, but I also saw myself. And I, and I realized in that moment, like shame on whatever experiences black culture has, ex our ancestors have experienced to stop them from teaching the culture to their children and their grandchildren. Because now here I stand telling my father more about his ancestry than he knows from his own fathers. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's wild. And so it has been a journey. But again, like you said, when I said I spelled uh, King Creole, the, the wild thing is in New Orleans, we have our own Creole. Yeah, and Creole is something very different. It is not y'all. What you guys is the truth of what it is. We have created this based off of the mulattas and the mixed culture that we've had in New Orleans. But again, I find it interesting that these bridges parallel to each other. Yep. My mom's yep. side is Cajun Creole, New Orleans Creole. My mom's side yep. is Cajun, and then my dad's side is Haitian with Creole. And so it's an interesting dynamic that they would meet each other, that that culture would mix the way it did, but. Yeah. That's why I have King Creole on my Instagram, but it's also yeah. interesting to me that there is so much of it in our culture, but it's not taught to us and we have to find it. It has been a beautiful journey meeting you and seeing that experience. It was one of my best experiences with all those beautiful women to see all those women of Haitian descent, to be around and to teach each other and some who spoke, who spoke fluent French, fluent Creole and others like me who were just starting to learn and there was no judgment. There was, it was just beauty all around it and I thought that that was such an honor and ever oh. since then I've been learning that journey as I go um I love it and I'm so happy to hear that because you said that when you left you was like listen and when I saw you when the slim thick video and you Man, I told you I, I told you I was like I got and then I'm got you did <laughs> and that, that was so amazing because a lot of people like I didn't know and you know what I Don didn't was Haitian I didn't know Don was Haitian yeah and I wanted to wait because I just felt like it would have been so disrespectful to do it too early. I, I wanted to have gone to Haiti a, a few times. I like because I'm not I'm not I'm not where I want to be with my culture. I'm still learning, but I still wanted to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm starting to put it within my art. I don't do anything yeah. within my art without purpose. And so I wanted to make sure that I could at least say I had been. I had spoke, yeah. I had helped, I had been, you know, I had been a part of it before I could even, and it's even this much in the song. It's not even the yeah. whole, like even that, you know, just that is a little, because to me, I have to earn the right to truly, you know, go full throttle, but I wanted to start putting that in my art because it's something that I'm learning and growing with. And again, it's always respect to your heritage. Every time you learn a little, you say a little, but I never yeah. want to speak too forward without learning more. And so again, I'm learning to speak Creole and I'm learning to, 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 uh, more about my heritage, what, what I can eat, the cuisines, the choices, the, yeah. what, what's up the language, like all those things. And it's a lot because I'm older doing it. So it takes more yeah. time, but I was hella proud of that moment. I really wanted to make a record that was like, yo, I'm in the building yeah. <laughs> and I'm proud and I'm proud, yeah. but also with, no. respect, also with respect. No, I mean, it's, I, it's great because I tell people now, like, exactly what you just said about embracing our culture. A lot of us are 
still finding ourselves. And a lot of us have all these different stories why we're not connected to, you know, this part or that hyphen part of who we are. And it's not just Haitians. It's a lot of other Caribbean people. It's a lot of black people, too, that, that are connected to a lot of things that we don't know. And there's all these stories behind it. And a lot of times people are so quick to judge and say things and just throw all these things at you. But they don't know our journey. They don't know your story. They don't know where you are in that yeah. place. And I think just being able to create spaces to where you make it okay to where you are and that's fine but as long as you're mm -hmm. willing to learn and you're willing to explore mm -hmm. that's it you know that that's enough yeah. Yeah. and and i'm okay with like again, i've been so used to negative that i could take the bad stuff with it but for me um like it was about again like learning i don't ever like to state something if i'm not in the space and so for me yeah. it was important to visit to see when I like I tell you I tell everyone when I went to Jacques Mel and I, I was so stunned that it was so much like New Orleans the French Quarter like the yep. design because yep. of the colonial the French colonial aspect of things and it blew my mind it blew the sugar cane the, yeah. the, the farming that happened to Jacques Mel because the cane is massive yes. the homes like it was yep. like wild for me and I was like okay I get it I get it and so for me I had to see that and it's crazy when you, you're two, three generations of not even knowing yeah. and then going back and seeing so much of your culture and realizing that, you know, you've been behind this whole time. So I'm playing catch up. I'm playing yeah. catch up. But it's been a beautiful journey for that. And I will consistently be, you know, going back and forth to Haiti because I just feel connected. It feels good there. And um, it felt good. Like, like I travel a lot of different places, but it will never feel like what it felt like with y'all. <laughs> in that space with those beautiful girls at that beautiful school and to know that most of those you know when i heard the statistics that most of those girls going to be selling toiletries out of their out of their yeah. houses you know if they're not going to school it just it, it rung true to the reality that it's up we gotta go back and give back we yeah. gotta if we if that's the only way we're gonna grow that's the only way gonna, and, and i feel like it would have been shame on me if i would have just knew, knew this about myself and then didn't take the reins, like didn't figure out how to make it make sense. So literally without my dad still has not been to Haiti yet, still. And that's yeah. his culture. So I went before him. I found yeah. out and I was like, look, I gotta, like I get your journey. Cause my parents are old school, you know, but yeah. I, like, nah, I get your journey, but I gotta know. Like yep. I gotta know. Yeah. yeah. Remember I told you, look all the times I've been back. I went back on my own, didn't go with my parents. All these years later with Lee and Sweet and everything I've done, every time I got to go, it's still, are you sure? Man. Are you sure? Is that where you want to go? And I go and I have yep. an amazing time. And on the way back, they want all these goodies. You have and then when I have to go back beauty. again, it's like, You have shown sure? that in such a beautiful way. You have shown, you have done, you have done such an amazing job. And I just am, I'm super honored to know you. I'm super honored to, because to Aww. me, if it wasn't for you, I would not have even gotten an opportunity to really delve deeper into the culture like I have. So it's been really, really, and you being a black woman and just the idea of what you're handling, because I know what you're handling on the business side of it, it entails and um, it's really a blessing to watch what you're doing when you have so many naysayers. You know, and it just proves yeah. that, again, the power and the resolve of the Haitian woman is quite beautiful. Absolutely. And talking about women, Black women, and being able to change and create change in spaces. Now, even in the music industry, we're seeing the awkward, the creative, the unconditioned is becoming more popular. You have women like Lizzo that's like, yeah. I'm not, I will not yes. be branded. You know, you're not going to. 
seeing that right now and knowing you've done everything that you've done and the voice that you have, do you feel like you had a lot to do with that? I don't look at it like that. I feel like I'm just like, there's a lot of women that had a lot to do with a lot of shit, right? You know, like there, there are so many women that have laid groundwork from the Angela Davises, you know what I mean? To like the Grace Joneses, like I said, to Donna Summer, like I could go like to, to man, um, man, uh, Maya Angelou, like we could go on and on to all the women. I'm just one of, I'm such, they're, they're before us. You know, what I can say is that I know that my journey was what I've always wanted to do is leave a legacy that it, if I left a few rocks down, if I let, left some pavement down, it can make it easier for the next person. Um, I knew taking this road would be difficult. I don't, and I knew that if it could make it easier for anybody else and I had done my job um, to this lane would be hard. hard. I never looked at it like now because of me, these women can do it. Because to be honest with you, the women before, if Khalees didn't walk, I wouldn't be able to run. You know, and before her, if Donna Summer didn't sing, Khalees wouldn't be able to be what she is. And then so on and so forth. Like we could go on and on about what how women have laid pavement down for us to rock. And so I don't look at it like that. I'm just happy it's here. I'm happy we're getting to that place. Um, and if, again, if I made a road a little bit easier for somebody, then, I, then we Gucci. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, and it's still not. It's still not, because even though we're laying the foundation, um, we're laying it in certain places. Like, we, Lizzo and Doja Cat and all those beautiful women are still in hip-hop. We're still in a black, a black stereotypical idea. And that's one thing, but a black woman residing in dance and pop and and electronic is still non-existent still non-existent when someone like adonna summer who paved the way we still still choose to say when beyonce puts out a record we don't put her in pop we put her in an r&b contemporary Mm -hmm. category when rihanna does a record we're still putting them so again we're moving but we're still choosing to to call black women who do it it, you know beautiful things urban Mm -hmm. and so for me my true dream is that when we do country, when we do rock, alternative rock, we had a beautiful artist called Fifi Dobson that we never gave the love of the alternative girl that did some really incredible things. We had another group called Skunk Annecy where we had a black lead singer who was exceptional. She had a bald head, beautiful black woman in, in rock. And we really didn't give her her view and that she's still, as, she's still an artist, but incredible. So until we can start showing that world in other lanes, we still got some work to do. So though we're doing okay, my dream is that, you know, like I've been pushing the envelope. I'd love for a black girl to be nominated for a Grammy in electronic in dance and electronic. I would love to see a black girl in rock in, in, in heavy metal and goth rock. I would love to see another lane for us to shine and, and, and not I'll be the alt girl that's indie, but she's indie in the alt space in which we choose to put her. That's that's the, 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 the lane that I'm I'm hoping for for us. And I think someday we'll get it. But we're starting off really good right now. Having Lizzo, having Doja, having Rico Nasty, all these bomb ass beautiful women doing exceptional things is always pleasing to me. And I will always support every beautiful woman that's doing it. But I will say the lane that I have been trying to push forward is we've still got some work to do because 
they're always people are always uncomfortable when they see a brown woman in a lane that they ain't never expected okay. to see that lane. Listen. Black women are very dangerous for people because they're powerful. And I would love to see the day when we accept more black female DJs, more black female producers, mm -hmm. and we put them in the same. Like, we still call Missy Elliott a rapper when, to me, she's on the same production level as any other dope-ass producer. Listen. Let's talk real shit. Let's talk Listen. about the truth of that. We're still not set, you know? Yeah. And that's something I think You can put her in any room. <laughs> it wasn't just a great rapper. She was a pop, a pop culture producer. That, she built things. She was a, a you know a contractor with the beat, and I think we need to stop acting like we're not acknowledging those things, right? And that's just something that I'm watching as we progress, and I would love for us to have more of that around. Like we still have, we don't have all female felt all female uh, festivals. Yeah, like we still don't have females on the bill where they're headlining deep black. We DJs definitely need more categories at these award shows. Well, we, we definitely need an independent category. We need an independent awards category for independent artists. We, there's a yeah. lot of things that are lacking that I feel like I've got work to do. So I can't yeah. even look at myself as laying any groundwork because we still got shit that needs to be done. Um, so for me, I'm just looking to push that agenda forward. Even though that's beautiful, Lizzo was signed to Atlantic Records when Juice yeah. came out. She had did that single was signed to a major label. So there's still t people, t it wasn't, it wasn't as indie. Like when she had nobody, motherfuckers wasn't listening. I yeah. want motherfuckers to listen to people when nobody's around because that black woman should have had respect then, not when a label touched her. So that's why we got a little bit more work to do. But I'm happy where we are. I, I love those women. They look good where they at. And I hope they, they keep breaking ceilings while they're doing it. I really do. Because we need it. Where do you find your inspiration? What inspires you? Man, everything around me. I'm I'm a huge uh, fan of the book. I'm I'm a literature buff. I love to read and I love art. Um, I'm a painter. I, I illustrate and um, I, I'm a, I love the old heads. I, I'm everybody who knows me knows Gustav Klimt is one of my favorite uh, painters. Um, so I, I I kind of if I if I can contemporary art has always been something that I needed to have. Another one for yeah. me is Dali Salvador, Salvador Dali is is like another one that I just find beautiful. Um, Frida is another one. I I love Frida's earlier work um, before she was injured. But uh, I, I have a lot of um, inspiration through the book, through the authors. I grew up loving Edgar Allan Poe. My grandmother was a, had a PhD in library science. So I grew up smelling the book, living in the libraries. And when I would leave school or had half a days, I'd go to the library and stay with my grandmother. And I would be, you know, like, engulfed in all the ideas of fantasy and sci-fi and yeah. and loving Bronte and Austin and reading about romance and the ideas of of, of you know Huckle, uh, uh, not, uh, uh, William Blake uh, and, and, and uh, Sumi and, and reading these incredible ideas of what the possibilities could be and so literature became something of a, a necessity for me being with my grandmother all the time uh, and then Going from there to to, to to painting and illustrating, it kind of first it started out as anime and manga and living in Japanese culture, and then it kind of bled into something more uh, from there. And that's kind of where I get my inspiration from. I, I usually, when I do records, I already see visually where I'm going. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You can always. tell, creative, yeah. you can tell from your videos, your costume, the design, 
everything always looks so well thought of. And like you say, I guess 30, 20, because it always looks very, yes, um, you know, ahead of our time. Yeah. And it's funny because no one thinks of New Orleans is such an interesting place. When you come here, people always feel like you're going back in time, right? Because yeah. visually, New Orleans has this kind of old. But for me, when I come here, I always think, what would it be in 40, 30? Like, what does that look like? Because we have so much culture and heritage. It would still be a juke joint, but it'd be a juke joint in 4020. What does that look like? Mm. And no one really thinks of New Orleans in that aspect, right? They never think New Orleans could fit that space. But there is a space there to show people that, you know, um, New Orleans is so much more than that aesthetic. We have a whole other aesthetic that's just as fly. And I could still add Mardi Gras Indians and still add, you know, our culture to it, but make that shit look so ahead of its time. <laughs> um, because that's just how I see the world. I see it for what it can be, the possibilities. Like, to me, that's art, is to show people the possibilities. Love it. Yeah. And we can't let you go without talking yeah. a little bit of music and what's going on. Because I feel yeah. like you kind of teased the new album I when did. you first came on. Yeah, I'm, I and we're like, it. let me make sure I don't forget that because I heard, I, I heard yeah. it. New album. What, what, what do you have in the work? It's done. It's done. Yeah, it's okay. been sitting for a minute. It's been sitting for a minute. I have an incredible producer that I've been working with. Uh, I, I had an idea. Uh, and I'm inspired and uh, I really love where New Breed was, but I want to go further. And uh, uh, we did something really magical with this. And uh, I'm not going to say more than that, but uh, <laughs> it's visually already started being outlined, visual, the story. But it's going to it's going to be in dawn form. Um, I'm going back to the times of Blackheart. And, uh, and the, the experimental choices that I'm going to do and the times of how I spend a lot of time on the visual. Blackheart, I spend a lot of time on the visual aspect of things. And this project is going to feed off of that because we have been in dark times. Um, and so this feels like a fall, but um, I'm falling uh, with a confidence that I didn't have before. Oh, right? With Blackheart, I was afraid to fall. This fall is, um, I'm cool with it, right? Like, so I'm gonna just ride it. And so this is, is a fall that's a ride. And so it's going to feel really, it's going to have essence of that, but it's, it's way more mature and way more beautifully um, connected and cohesive, but in true dawn form. Um, so I'm really proud Everyone of it. Is don't literally... know when I'm gonna release it. <laughs> I don't know when I'm gonna release it, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take my time with it. It's done though. It's done. Um, but to the the outlay of it, how I want it dispersed, that's always big for me because using tech and being cool about the way I deliver the package, like my last red, like Redemption, I did it on a USB yeah. with three with VR, and then with New Breed, it was like we did a cassette tape and we played homage to New Orleans in the old fashioned vinyls. So again, every time we do something, I kind of want to do really something really funky, and I also want to be able to. Get, I kind of out on the U.S. tour this time. So I really wait, make sure the quarantine and everything is done so that I could create uh, a nice tour with this project. Yeah. Well, no, I absolutely love it. If you if you got a chance to look at the comments, everyone's excited. They're like, <laughs> people are like, you ready? It's time. <laughs> like, like, visually, I'm, I'm already yes. can't even begin to imagine what visuals are going to look like. Because you, you've had time to sit down. You, you've been home. You've been in New Orleans. You've been sitting down. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah this is going to be exciting. And, and I've also reacquainted New Orleans artists as 
well. So like there's a lot of artistic collaborations with my favorite artists in New Orleans. Like I'm pushing them to go someplace else. And so this is a lot of fun happening. And with my business, with Papa Tay and what it is, because Papa Tay's is also a filter for artists to come in. Yeah. It's a hub for all the artists out here to like get together. I've been networking with some amazing people. So I'm really, I really excited to this one gonna be fun. No, I'm excited. Because I don't want Instagram to keep us out. We're almost at an hour mark. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. No, I'm like, because I don't want Instagram to kick us out, you know, because we got like two minutes left for our hour. No, but we have okay, to okay. ask you before okay. you leave, what is one thing that this quarantine has taught you that you didn't know about yourself? I know how to be alone. I know how to be alone. I know how I know how how to how to love myself enough to be alone and I'm quiet, the stillness. That's a hard thing to do to be alone with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like you it. talk you talked a lot about that yeah, at the beginning of the interview about the being lonely and being alone and growing up alone. So to hear you say now you're in this space now where you are okay with it is Come on, powerful, sis. I'm okay. I like That's it. powerful. I like it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. You, you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I love you. I'm like, I wanted so bad to bring our poolside and our Haiti poolside chat back to this live. And <laughs> I'm excited to have been able to share it with so many of your fans and people that love you and support you. And, you know, I'm so grateful for you, your art, your work, and what you represent for all the cultures that you bring in your music. And we just love you. I love you, too. Thank you for always giving me a platform, Wanda. Thank you. Love oh, y'all. So I see our end in a second. And on that note, guys, good Bye. night. Thank you to everyone that tuned in. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> good night, <Love> everyone. <laughs>